May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So there is a country song that makes me laugh every single time I hear it. And the words go like this. I keep hearing that money is the root of all evil, and you can't fit a camel through the eye of a needle. I'm sure that's probably true, but it still sounds pretty cool, because it could buy me a boat. (laughs) And this is true. Money is the root of evil, and it can buy you a boat. It's funny, but it's also a really great summary of the tension that we feel when we start to talk about money in church. To put it really bluntly, it's an illustration of this great hypocrisy that the church comes to every time stewardship season rolls around. We preach what the scriptures say. The rich man who feasts sumptuously ends up tormented in Hades. The people who lounge on ivory beds will be the first to be exiled. And those who are eager to be rich are pierced with many pains. And then we ask you for money. (laughs) Because after all, money can buy a boat. Or a stained glass window. Or a communion cup. Or a chair for an AA meeting. You know, people wiser than me led us here at St. Paul's through a two-year stewardship campaign that carried us through my first year among you. So in many ways, this month of October will be our first stewardship season together. It's also my first as a rector. And I can't speak for you, but I will speak for myself. I'm a little nervous. I do trust that God will guide all of us through a season of deep reflection and revelation about our finances and our time and all the other things we give. And I also have some butterflies in my stomach. One thing I have learned, though, is that whenever I feel unsure or nervous about something, it means God's about to do something pretty amazing. And I've spoken with the Lord more than a few times about communicating this to me in a different way, like a direct message, for example, instead of this vague, uncomfortable feeling. But it turns out I am not the boss. Go figure. One thing I do know for sure, though, is that God will take us on a grand adventure. And honestly, my friends, there is no other crew I would rather travel with. So let's dive in. There is a lot to take in from our readings this morning, but I really found myself drawn to 1 Timothy. This is one of the pastoral epistles. Scholars agree it was not written by Paul, and it's later than his writings were. Paul was writing to a church imminently expecting the return of Jesus, but these letters are more to a church that has been looking for Jesus, but is kind of starting to wondering when he's going to show up. So the writer does what anyone expecting company might do. He gets the house in order. So that's what this letter is all about. And in 1 Timothy, we are literally speaking about the household, the Greek word oikos, which also serves as the root of the word economy. This is the house, the home. 
And in many ways, as Walter Brueggemann points out, we are talking about home economics. The writer of 1 Timothy does not advise giving away all of one's possessions and all of one's money. If we have food and clothing, he says, we will be content with these. But he warns his readers about greed. Those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now the rich man in Jesus' parable really finds himself plunged into ruin and destruction. But he's not a character who garners much sympathy. He's a man who did nothing for the beggar at his gate. The detail of the sores being licked by the dogs is cringeworthy, and it just adds to our disgust for this man who would not see blatant suffering at his doorstep. And what is his first instinct when he encounters his own suffering? Send Lazarus to alleviate my pain. Ugh. This guy deserves to be tortured in Hades. <laughs> but before we can walk away from this parable, assured that we will never be as horrible as that guy, Jesus delivers a zinger. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So what exactly did the rich man do to warrant this eternal torment? He did not go to hell because he was rich. It wasn't because, it was because he didn't need God anymore. Nope. He had plenty of sumptuous food, a strong gate to keep the riffraff away from his estate, and money to spare. What did he need God for? He didn't need anyone. He certainly didn't need Lazarus. Money could buy all the things and services that he required in his life, but it didn't do him any good in his death. Had he been allowed to warn his brothers, the rich man's warning might have sounded like 1 Timothy. As for those who are in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. For our time and place, I might put such a warning this way. You absolutely cannot leave church this morning believing that all rich people are going to hell. And as long as Mark Zuckerberg makes more money than you, you're good. <laughs> money is not the root of all kinds of evil but the love of money is obsessing about money is the second you start thinking that you're completely safe because you've got a financial cushion then you might as well start lounging around on a bed of ivory you are worthy of God's protection simply because you are, not because you can afford it. Can you trust that it is there? Can you believe that God will provide something that you cannot buy? These are not easy things to believe. They are even harder to believe 
when we have enough money. We get trained to rely on ourselves when over and over we meet our own needs without God's help. It's harder to believe that God is in charge when we get hungry and go buy ourselves a pizza. It's harder, but not impossible. We could also buy a pizza and thank God that we were able to do so. So as we dive into this season of stewardship, I invite you to reflect with me on all of this, the stuff that matters, our planet, our time, the people in our lives, and yes, money. My prayer for all of us this month is that we come together and we listen closely to Moses, the prophets, and this man who was raised from the dead to tell us something. For myself, I pray for the strength to order my household, home economics and all, so that God becomes the thing that I desire most, so that God becomes the place where I place my hope. May God guide us in this stewardship season and always. Amen.